I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Alright, welcome to Fever FM. Uh, I'm your fill-in host, Dale, uh, tonight. Frosty has gone AWOL in Wellington Central somewhere, so if you see him, please send him back to his home in Eastbourne. Uh, welcome to Dave, uh, Trace and Cam. How are the tide levels uh, this week? Oh, bro. Bro, so, so tired. My boy came in at half past midnight last night, and I've been awake pretty much ever since then. So it's it's a struggle. It's a real struggle today. I'm heaps better than last week. I'm loving life. <laughs> Are you looking forward to the 4 a.m. tomorrow morning, Cam? Is that... Do you know what? That's what a sleep in, right? It's an extra two hours. So uh, <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. Yeah. I'll be I'll be in bed by 9 o'clock tonight, and I'll get maybe close to seven hours sleep. Aren't you great? Because I'm going to get off of this and then edit the pod. So <laughs> how's the 4 a.m. start for you tomorrow then, buddy? Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll push through it. We'll push through it. Yeah. I've, got, I've got the day off tomorrow, so I, I can... Oh, you, could, you could edit this in between games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, to more important things. The Wahinics had another home game, uh, had another good first half, and then another collapse in the second half. Is that is that pretty pretty fair assessment? Yep. Yep. I think it was it was pretty much a carbon copy in many ways. I mean, that first half we were we were seeing all the good stuff we'd seen the week before. All that all that promise was kind of there, and then second half was exactly what we saw in the second half last week. What what do we what do we think that's down to? It's a it's a big question, obviously. Not not being inside the inside the squad, right? It's hard to know because you could put it down to a few things, right? Like it could be tactical changes made at halftime. It could be fitness. It could be it could be all sorts of things, right? And it's hard to tell from the outside which of those it is because I, you know, it didn't it didn't look specifically like fitness to me. For example, the girls didn't look tired straight after halftime, but there could be an element of fitness there. There could be an element of some of those changes being made. Um, I mean, if I if I want to be incredibly selfish, I think the changing point was when Michaela Robertson came off. I think following her removal from the game is when things change. But she also played for my club for a number of years, and I know her well, so maybe I saw what I wanted to see. I, b- I believe I was the one who pointed that out to you at, uh, in, the, in the stands to to check that she came off after. You did, and now I watched the replay, and I was like, this is 100% it. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we'll, we'll circle back to that because you, you've raised it. I, th- I thought she offered, I thought she was quite impressive on her debut. Because uh, now, as far as I can tell, has had no previous professional experience. She got on the ball well, uh, harried, and actually started to put some dangerous balls. And I don't think they all sort of came off, but dangerous balls that were trying to get in behind fullbacks. So more diagonal balls that were coming sort of from her side back across the other side, but along the ground and trying to get in the fullbacks. And, and some of them didn't come off, uh, but that's okay. But it seemed like she added... Uh, just a point of difference to our attack this week. Yeah, that's fair. I'd, t- I'd agree with that. The width she provided and the pace she has on that wing and the outlet ball that she, like, it was an outlet we didn't have last week. You know, the, the, the and perhaps the ability we didn't have last week out there as well. So, like, you got Paige on one ring, having her on the other wing makes a world of difference. So I, I think I think she was excellent, eh? I thought she was really good. Oh, I was actually... A, a shame she only had about obviously 60 minutes in her legs but fair enough when she's been out injured and you know, it's her first game back so it's pretty cliche but you know it was one of those she wanted it more sort of things where she went out there and she was trying to prove a point obviously hasn't played before for the phoenix wants to make a mark um totally understand why she only played 60 but i think going forward 
we need her to have more minutes. She looked like she was everywhere. Like she just looked yeah. like she was just buzzing off something. Um, yeah, I was probably a debut, but she just seemed to be everywhere. When every time I looked up, she she was near or close to the ball. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's, it's interesting having watched her played a lot before because obviously that's not a position she um, has played most of her kind of club career, and she's she's normally a bit higher up. Obviously, she loves a bit of width. She's always had good pace, but it was interesting seeing that clearly there was a tactical decision that she was meant to look for players to overlap her and she was meant to look for, for balls through. I mean, she's normally a player who's the one overlapping or the one making that through run onto a ball played by someone else. But um, there were definitely a few times you kind of noticed her looking to hold it up, looking for an overlapping runner, and there was no one there. And it, it, it looked very clear to me that her kind of natural instinct was to try and run in behind, but she was kind of going, oh, actually, I meant to hold this up and look for a, look for a player. And there were quite a few times where I thought she did that and there was no one there making the run, and it meant we'd we'd kind of wasted you know five or ten seconds, and the opportunities were gone. And so it'll be interesting to see how they do that going forward, whether or not they can get the other players on the same same wavelength making the runs, or whether they give her the freedom to just run at players and get in behind. Because we know, well, I know she can do that. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she's given that freedom or not. Probably because of the level she was playing at, that speed makes a world of difference, right? It's uh, and the step up to this level the speed isn't whilst it is an advantage it's not going to be yeah. anywhere near as significant and that's probably no. why they're considering her more of a wide player at pro level rather than a nine and we do have a couple of genuine nines and ava and emma obviously who can play up the top there so wide striker is probably a ideal role for her at pro level and i th- honestly i think she will grow into that yeah. position i like just with the natural ability she has and the coaching she'll receive i think she's going to turn to an excellent wide striker or a wide player in general anyway yeah, don't disagree. I think you look at you look at the players we've got, and it makes total sense why you've put her in that position. You know, you you've got a lot of people who can play quite similar roles up front, and she's an obvious one to try and fit into a slightly different mold rather than throwing her in as a nine. So it makes total sense. But we... her and Paige come off, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how she adapts. Uh, perhaps if we circle back to Cam's original question about uh, where you think it's gone gone wrong, I, I wonder if I have a bit of a Perfect Talley always said about, you know, getting over to Australia's good preseason to get games, minutes against good opposition. Do you think there's an element of, of, of this with the, the women's side that they haven't been able to play A-League teams before? They're coming in quite cold, uh, and so it might take a few weeks for them to get up to speed? I think it's definitely a factor. Um, did they play anyone in their preseason, like, you know, even local clubs or anything? Or were they just literally... They played uh, Phoenix boys' teams, like the age, the age group men's teams. Yeah. And I think there was at least two, possibly three. It's not the same, though, is it? Like, I understand why you do it, but it's not the same. No, they, I mean, men's women's football, we know, very different sports. They play the game very differently as well. So, yeah, I mean, whilst minutes in the legs is minutes in the legs, the tactics and the gameplay you receive here are going to be very different. So, Yeah, and, and to some extent, I mean, some of those players, I mean, Mickey's another good example of it, have been training with those age group men's teams for a while you know so it's basically just an opposed training at that point you know a 90 minute opposed training it's not it's not the same intensity as a game you know it it does get some minutes in the legs but it's not the same challenge as you get playing against unknown players who are out there also trying to get three points you know um so i think there's there's always some value in it but yeah it it's not the same as testing yourself against an opposition who's going out there to beat you so I also I don't think it's not necessarily just the preseason minutes and stuff. It, it, it could be a touch of just 
we have so many young players who haven't played pro level. They're still sorting out their combinations. They're sorting out their um, routines at corners because obviously we conceded from from set pieces in this. One of them particularly bad. And whilst I I don't blame uh, Brianna for the uh, for what I'd consider the own goal that came off Charlotte, but obviously the striker got a foot to it. Whilst I'm blaming for that, the punch could have been better. You know, so that's it's it is it is quite a scrappy piece of playing there, but we still conceded from that purely because I I feel we don't understand yet our routines particularly well, and you know it, it could just be that inexperience coming through when you play a team who has a World Cup winner. Once they've figured out figured you out, they change their systems accordingly, and we're taking a little while to adjust to it. Yeah, I think I think Cam's picked up two points there. I think one, all three of those second half goals were all aerial ones. There was one straight from a corner, which, to be fair, was 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 quite a nice header, but relatively unopposed. The second one was the the foul punch that kind of no one really followed up on, and the third one I think was just a, a that, that nice cross as well, which was was another quite well worked goal. But it kind of gives me a little bit of weariness about our ability to deal with with that. And if you're the next team, if you're victory, you're going, hmm, they've conceded three goals from crosses. That becomes a pretty big target on your on your back if you if you've done it bad one week. And then it kind of it almost snowballs in itself. So even if you if you're you know reasonably competent but had a bad week, you start getting that kind of avenue of attack forced upon you and you kind of maybe get a bit of it don't react very well to it. Do you think that's uh is that is that some of something to do with our sort of young side and, and no one really taking the leadership back there or, or do you think it's something else? Obviously if Lily was in goal we'd have that she's got the mana in the squad, you know what I mean? She's got the leadership voice and um so I think that may make a difference. But Brianna's not a bad keeper, you know what I mean? She and, and I don't necessarily think by the failed punch of the eight goals they've conceded, I don't put the blame on her so I don't I don't see that but what it might be is they say the voice in the box so at the moment we're expecting Kate Taylor to be that voice as the captain and the senior in that central defense uh, and she's also quite young so it, it could just be they aren't yet the powerful voices they need to be in organizing that defense yeah I guess following on from that from your comment about Taylor I guess partially at fault for the first goal, wasn't she? She had to kind of have a bit of a shant clearance that kind yep. of went to their player and then they, they put a cross on it and followed it home. And she didn't exactly have a great first game either. It's, it's, I mean, she hasn't exactly started the season particularly well, well, considering the level at which she was last year. I guess that's probably quite a bit concern. I'm trying to work out who's, who's our third choice, is it? Uh, there's a lot of options, to be fair. I think there's about six or seven uh, defenders in the squad. Some of them are utilities. So you could move several people in there. At the moment, I wouldn't be entertaining moving anyone else in there at all. Um, I still think Kate and Mackenzie are the two best defenders that we have. And whilst I would say Kate, errors have con- conceded three goals because she got turned obviously twice in the first game as well. Um, she's also made a lot of solid defensive performance in there, which has cleaned up other shit too. So not perfect performances by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think there is a, I don't think there's a better player within the squad that can do the job that she's doing. Yeah, and I think the the Phoenix have always talked about this being a kind of long term prospect, right? They're not expecting them to go out there and set the league on fire from day one, and we know we know that from last season. I'm sure they're taking a a similar approach this year, right? And looking at 
the players, not in not in terms of ninety minute performances necessarily, but in terms of their long term development prospects. They want to they want to build a squad here over a number of years, and and I think from that perspective, someone like Taylor surely is your long term prospect that you're going to stick with, get her that experience, get her moving forward, right? At what point do we? Like, I guess this kind of speaks to Dave's point about. Um, you know, saying that the Phoenix have sort of said that this is, you know, a secondary build season. But at what point do we start, like, ripping in? Because, like, the way that we're talking about these matches and these players is quite, like, a softly, softly approach. And I think, I just, I'm just curious, I guess, at what point do you start going, this is terrible, we need to do something about this, you know? Like, you know, for example, Cam's just, you know, you just said, um, I don't think you would swap anyone in the back. But if it was, you know, potentially the men's team, you're going, no, get him out, swap him. We need to change something, do it. So, like, when does that change? Well, yeah, great question, mate. I don't know. I don't know yet. I, I do think it's too soon. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm just curious, I guess. I think the other thing is because that first season they were away, it's this still feels like the first season, you know, because – they weren't here. They were in the Australia the same time, the whole time. We did support them as best we could, and you know, um, watch the games, and you know, provided whatever we could from New Zealand. But this feels like our first season with yeah. them, so perhaps we're being more lenient because we still are giving them a bit more leeway into building into that into that team. You know, I guess that because we're constrained by uh, how many Australians we have to have in our league, our ability to recruit. Um, say, some more international experience from overseas is pretty limited, right? Because it's got to swap out for a Kiwi. And I wonder if this year we're going to see some of that sort of come to bear because, you know, I think with the sort of borders open in Australia, you can see some of their teams are, are starting to recruit international players, which they perhaps didn't last year. And that's probably maybe shifted the quality of the league a little bit further on where we're still kind of hamstrung to kind of fringe fern players and not being able to go out and get... Um, you know, some of the, some more, um, you know, some of those people from America or something like that, because wasn't one of the Western strikers, I think, has played 40 or 50 odd games for the US. And, it's, and it, as a World Cup yeah. winner, she's a World Cup winner of the US, right? And and that, like, not being allowed to get international players as part of our um, deal for getting the team in the league. So we have to have Australians and Kiwis. We don't have a choice. So I think that will pay, will be hard for this season purely because of that recruitment because of the world cup coming up like these players want to play here to get used to that environment um it may prove better next season when these players aren't necessarily coming in but yeah you're right though it could make a massive massive impact on us this year uh i guess one thing that happened off the field was uh, Alyssa Woodham um after immediately being subbed trotted over to the to a big rubbish bin that was next to the um, subs bench and appears from, I don't know, what, 100 metres we're away, had like a good chunder in the in the, in the the bin and then went and sat down and got her bib and, and sat and rest, watched the rest of the game. Is, is that pretty much what happened, isn't it? Isn't that how Greeny used to play? <laughs> isn't that because he was hungover? <laughs> I, I didn't, I missed this entirely. I didn't see it at all. So, um yeah, that's uh, that's some giving it all for your team. That's actually quite impressive. Uh, yeah, wow. Speaking of giving it all, uh, Chloe not looked like she gave about two liters of blood uh, on the pitch after she took a bit of a head knock. 
she she got straight back up eh? and then started to walk away and then I think realised uh, there was a little bit of blood and, and went back down. That looked quite quite nasty, didn't it? I just rewatched the video. It's horrific. It did look particularly yeah. bad, didn't it? I haven't rewatched the video and I, I, I kind of don't want to. I've seen the stills that I got of it and it was bad enough. So, <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, there was the, her nose was everywhere, man. Honestly, I, I can't, I can't, I can't honestly say I, if it's not broken, I'll be incredibly surprised. Well, there's a there's an article this morning that said uh, she didn't think it was broken, that it, it doesn't hurt. Uh, what's today, Tuesday? That uh, her eyes hurt more, but that uh, she was okay, there's no concussion, and that uh, she expects to be back uh, this weekend. I think she's hard as nails, because <laughs> my face would be so sore after that. That's just not okay. None of none of that is okay. So she is she is hard, and uh, yeah, that's that's impressive. I saw uh, Vandermeer after uh, well, she also scored the the first goal. Uh, also came off. Um, Cam, you were saying it may may have been a attack. Uh, a, a bobsled on force. Well, I, I I thought she came straight out. She came off straight after she had a tackle where she got yellow carded for, right? So she's gone in and uh, her foot was high. Um, I was on the other side of the field and looking through the lens. So I can't be sure where she's hit, like where the contact from her has hit the other player. But she's got up from that and got yellow carded and then almost immediately come off. And then obviously at the end of the game, um, she was uh, on crutches. So yeah. she's not a good look, is it? No, but again, I've no idea why. Like, I don't know. I read an article that said that was precautionary as well. Precautionary? There you go. I don't hope so. I hope so. Because I actually thought she had a really good game at right wing. At uh, right, sorry, right wing back. I thought she'd done a decent job. Already early in the season, that's a few injuries starting to pile up, especially if, if both of those aren't uh, unavailable this weekend. And you've also got Rollo and Wisniewski still, well, potentially still out. That's um, starting to test our depth, isn't it? Yeah, same with Isabel Gomez as well. Obviously, That's she's true. not back yep. yet too, so she would be a big get right now. Isabel Gomez would be a big get for us to return, especially if Chloe knocks off. Um, I think that would be quite uh, quite a big grab. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I don't know where any of them are, obviously, but hopefully they are of some of them available for this weekend. Otherwise, we might be in a little bit of trouble against Victory. But um, I, yeah, I generally thought I thought Marissa played really well in that uh, in that role uh, at right back. Um, Obviously, they were dropped McMeekin from there. I'm not sure. I actually thought McMeekin did okay in the first half of last week, and then obviously, you know, the whole back line had some questions and issues in the second half. So I'm not sure why that that decision was particularly around her coming off. But you know, either way, Marissa's done a decent job. So I hope that is just precautionary, and she can keep playing this week. I think she she's a good player there. Yeah, I guess the other talking point uh, on the game was the return of the pigeons. We haven't seen them for a while. <laughs> Honestly, I thought they were dead. I did. I was like, I was watching them, and they were like, they were in the same spot for so long that I genuinely thought the ball had hit them and they'd been killed. Before I realised that they were pigeons, I genuinely thought someone had lost their boot in the middle of the park, and I was like, someone's <laughs> lost their, their boot, and then someone was like, "That's a pigeon." Um, did they like um, lay grass seed or something on the wicket after the cricket? Yeah. Having a wee snickety snack. So they're just literally eating the grass, uh, eating all the grass seed from the cricket. Yeah, I definitely would have expected them to fly away. Yeah, man, they're hard. That was funny. Um, 
I think another couple of talking points out of that, if we're, apart from after the pigeons, was the um, the LGBT stance that the team took uh, in that game as well. So Kate Taylor joining the ever-growing list of teams and captains that are wearing the rainbow armband. Um, I thought that was uh, a good move in solidarity with what's been happening across this league and obviously across the world as well. And then the announcement that Michaela Foster got engaged to her girlfriend on the day before the match, which they made at um, halftime as well. And I think, I'm not sure whether they'd usually have done that, but in the, in the climate of... Uh, the whole One Love thing and the issues around the World Cup at the moment, I think it was quite a brave move from the club to announce that. Cam, I can't believe you've cut off my pigeon chat for something far more important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, far more important and and more world-reaching and yeah, yeah, you're welcome. The the way that was announced and the time that it was announced at halftime kind of did sound like it had just happened. I generally thought it was an odd thing to announce at all, you know, some a player getting engaged. This it did, did seem like an odd thing that you would put out in the public. But I get, but you know, thinking more logically around that current you know world environment, I get why they've done it, and it's quite a brave thing to do. And I'm quite uh, quite on board with it. I quite liked it. Uh, it was completely done in front of a quite uh, small crowd. Uh, certainly a lot less than the first game. Is I guess there must be a little bit of concern that it's dropped off. Well, almost four thousand in a week. I'm not concerned by the 4,000 drop-off at all in a week. Um, looking at the league as a whole and the average crowd sizes that they get as a whole, uh, 1,500 is actually quite a good return. Um, and obviously you want it to be more. Without doubt, you do want it to continue to be high. Um, I look at also everything else that was happening in Wellington on that day and the fact that it was the fourth weekend in a row there had been games at the stadium or Phoenix game at the stadium then I think saturation point could could have been reached and people did need a break from it. That could be it. So this is why you get your hardcore fans turning up and um, even some hardcore hardcores didn't make that game, which I was surprised at. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised the of the 1,500 figure. I hope they can get back up over 2,000 for the next one. On Actually, the next one's double header, so it's probably not a fair um, comparison game to make, but... I think they should grow. That was sort of one to two thousands kind of the league kind of norm really, isn't it? Yeah. Which will be tough for the stadium. I think it's also hard because you've got two thousand people in a giant stadium with bright yellow seats. So it just makes it all that more obvious that there's not a big crowd there. Sure. I'm I I'm I'm quite I'm glad that the club is treating that team, the women's team exactly the same as the men's and putting them at the stadium. And I think that says says more about the club and it says it sends a great message to the women that, you know, everything matters to, you know, the, the club believes in them and and is putting everything into them that they can put into them. You know, they're, they're, they're treated at the same level. And I think that's an important message to send. And I would be, I would be disappointed if they, if they decided purely on financial grounds to move it i don't know what the hit is obviously i've got no idea what the what the sums are and i'm sure they're staggering for someone who doesn't look at their financials particularly often i hope it's something that is affordable and can be sustained because i think it's important that they do play at the stadium yeah even if it feels cavernous yeah i I totally feel what you're saying but i just think 
as an experience as a player, it can't be nice to look around a stadium and see people dotted around. You know, like if I was playing, I'd like I'd prefer to see more people, more condensed, more noise, like just in one area than to have everything spread out. But I'm not a professional footballer, obviously. I'm not a professional athlete of any sense. But I, I totally understand that. And I think it's great that they've given them that opportunity and they are treating them like equals um, in that sense. But it just doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree with you. And I, But I think the easy way to address that is put everybody in the same spot. So don't have what was effectively half the stadium open have a quarter of the stadium open if that's what you want to do to condense and you could do fear you could do the same with the men you could you could close half the stadium and still and you know congregate those people more on that one side of the stadium and the tv arc that would make perfect sense to me um i mean on, on the financial side it probably costs uh basically equivalent of a henry tate friday night out probably doesn't it <laughs> um i should uh, just on the noise level um I know the fever. There wasn't a lot of fever in there on the weekend, right? There, there was a just the core group basically. But when you made noise, the noise travelled, and it could be heard very clearly around the entire stadium. So, I guess it's a point of just making the noise, um, even if it's a small group, and that does make it harder because you will go home horse. And it'd be nice if everybody came along and joined in as well. But the noise does travel, and it, it is here. It is heard. I mean, you could hear Lily at the other side of the stadium shouting out encouragement to the players as well. I mean, that's probably helped on by Tracy's drumming skills. But um, anyway, I think we should probably look ahead. Melbourne Victory this weekend, who also have also lost both their games and have yet to score. So that's uh, promising, <laughs> I, I say, with optimism. I mean, sure. Is it still November? It's not. It's gonna be, we only lose 3-0 down at half time in November against uh, Melbourne Victory. Um, yeah, it's. I mean... It's hard to judge, right? They got uh, outplayed but only beaten 1-0 by Western United in their first game. I didn't see their second result, um, what happened in their second game. Yeah, they lost uh, They lost 2-0 to Sydney, up in, up in Sydney. Yeah, so, right. it's, it's. I mean, again, it's hard to judge because it's still early doors. But the fact that we're scoring goals is good, right? And that's a positive. But if we can avoid the 15 minutes where we fall apart in defence, then we may may get something out of the game which would be it would be just reward for some fairly for at least 90 minutes of good football that we've seen uh that game is of course on sunday 6 p.m it's coming live from the city vista recreational reserve pitch one so we'll see what that's see what that's like Uh, you see that's this is why i'm glad we're playing them at the stadium we're playing them and not at a a, a random, you know. Group. Well, at least all of our other parks just have normal names like Newtown Park or Basin Reserve, not like three letter, three words plus park plus field number one. Like yeah. that just really is the kicker for me is the number one field. Amazing, no? yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope no one turns up to pitch too because you probably won't see anything. I guess we'll move on to the the Weenicks. They, of course, had their last uh, fixture um, in the National League. Uh, last weekend, they had a few players uh, drop down. Alex Rufa played 30 minutes before getting subbed on on his, on his way to come back. Uh, Jan Sask played, Sutton played, and Oscar Van Hatton, was that the... Yeah, I think that was all of them. Finn Sermon and Alex Paulson as well. Uh, oh, of course. Oh, that's quite uh, quite a few. What about Moragas? Uh, Did he play? I don't remember. I'm sorry. He has played for the reserves 
um, this season at least twice because of games that I've covered. Um, but I don't know if he was there on the weekend. I tried to get there, but uh, weather made that difficult. Um, so good to see Alex Rufa back. Um, they obviously had a 4-2 win. Um, Sutton got on the board. Jan Stas got a last uh, goal in the last 10 minutes. And I think, did Oscar Van Hannem get a, a brace as well? He did. Yeah, he got two. Yeah, so that pushed them up into uh, sixth on, on 12 points. They had a 3-3-3 three, three and three, uh, record. Uh, so sort of middle of the pack there. I guess they'd be reasonably content with, with that, I suppose. Considering where they've come from the last few years, mate, we were, they were cannon fodder at the bottom of the league for large stretches. That's um, It's a massive jump. It's a very, very big jump. Right, doing better than the Miramar Rangers. Um, Frosty's beloved Miramar Rangers and my former, one of my many former clubs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, finished the season down in, in last place and losing, was it 4-1 to Olympic in the weekend? To, yeah. To round out this season? A little lucky it was 4-1, to be honest. It was 3-0 after about 10 minutes, wasn't it? 20, yeah. Yeah, 4-0 at half time. Um, I think you'll find Miramar won the second half, though. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> heard that announcement <laughs> and I had a little <laughs> chuckle inside, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was... They, to be fair to them, they responded well in the second half um, to whatever Scotty said to them in the, in the dressing room. But uh, I think, considering what they've been through this season, they'll be probably happy to see the back of that campaign, that National League campaign, and be looking forward to getting into a new season next year. Uh, so this week sees the final. Uh, Auckland City against Spanish Olympic played uh, at Mount Smart Stadium on uh, Sunday, Sunday. At 2pm. There you go. Someone's on, more onto it than I am. Both identical records. Uh, seven wins draw and a loss each. 22 points. Um, Auckland City finished on top on head-to-head, um, even though Wanisamlik has, uh, has twice the goal difference. Um, really, um, Olympic probably go into this favourites, don't they? Although, of course, uh, Auckland City have beaten them uh, twice this season in the Chatham Cup and in the first round of the National League. They should have won that game, though. They had a, a goal incorrectly ruled out for offside. Um, well, I say incorrectly, a very poor decision by a badly placed lino and ref. Um, so that should have been a draw, but Olympic were far and away the better team in that game. Putting aside that but, as well, I think there was also, was that like the first game of the season or something? Yeah. Like very close to it. It was played at Endeavour Park. So there's a whole bunch of things that kind of play into that. So it'll be, I think it'll be a good match to watch. Yeah. And um, you've got to think they also played in the Chatham Cup and Auckland to 1-3-1. So, yeah. you know, there's history there this season. They've played them twice. They've beaten them twice. So, you know, they, but I think Olympic Olympic can go into there knowing that they have a fantastic chance of winning it. They're not going in like in so many other games this season against Auckland City teams going in with no hope. Yeah. These guys are going in there with every chance of uh, knocking them off. The only issue I have is that it's played in Auckland, to be honest. Um, if they're going to choose a neutral venue, it would have been nice if they'd chosen somewhere not Auckland, because Auckland's playing there. Like, I realise the politics and the other stuff going on around it. It's just, it would be nice if it was Palmerston North. Or I love how this has come up, though, because the National League finals, like for as long as I remember, has been in Auckland. Like It's yep. been Team Wellington versus Auckland City or what have you, and it's always been in Auckland, like at North Harbour Stadium. So it's not like it's a surprise. Um, kind no, of not at all. I just find it amusing that it just keeps coming up. That and the head-to-head thing. Like, again, as long as I remember National League, it's always been head-to-head. So I just, I just find all the um, 
conversation around it quite interesting to to listen to um that just going back the other thing i would say and that Auckland City have in their favor is that they have that experience in winning those finals matches because they're a largely unchanged squad from when it was franchise national league so they've got that experience as a playing group yeah i guess one of the other downsides i guess is they've probably played about 10 extra games i think auckland city because of their their champion league and stuff and it's a pretty long season for them so they, they and it feels like the last month or so they're starting to get a little bit of wobbles like they haven't put away teams that they should have whereas a lot of it seemed to be coming in hot at the moment but I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. And I reckon that's probably uh, enough for this week. Um, I think we will again up early tomorrow morning. So I we want to go to sleep now. So I think that's probably uh, enough. And make sure we catch the, the Wahinex on, on Sunday. And I guess hopefully uh, we'll get Frosty back next week to do a far better job than what uh, I have done. So You did all right, mate. Oh, you, did, you did a decent yeah, job, really. You've, you've got some previous on this. I went fishing for those compliments, so I'm glad <laughs> you guys uh, latched onto that. Make me feel better. Uh, until then, I guess we'll catch you uh, next week.